We are watching you. We are controlling your every moment. We... Uh, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm gonna try really hard not to compare it too much, but anyone ever play the old Syndicate games? I did, obviously. Uh, back when Peter Molyneux could actually do good work. Zing. I, uh... I was never a huge fan of the old Syndicate stuff, but I always enjoyed the concept of it. You know, usually when we see some kind of cyberpunk sort of a setting, you're either the punks, you know, that, that give the setting its name, you're the person who is rebelling against the system or trying to do what you can against it, you know, that kind of a thing. Like playing in uh, Cyberpunk 2020, for example, or you're, you know... Some kind of, you know, you're just another cog in the machine and your life is meaningless and everything is depressing forever kind of a situation. But in Syndicate, you were a part of that horrible monstrosity, the, the, the corporate overlords that ran the world and you were going to rise to power over the bones and bodies of your fallen enemies. And there was just something kind of appealing to that. Hashtag not evil. And I liked that because it kind of appealed to my sense of slowly expanding territory. Conquest has always been fun to me in a video game. In fact, before video games existed, Conquest has been fun to me. Anybody who's seen me talk about 4X and my history at those knows that I used to basically play what I didn't know at the time were 4X games in the backyard with rocks and sticks and whatever else I had access to because, yeah. Go ahead, make fun, it's okay. So I was really enjoying that aspect of Satellite Rain. Going through it, and it's like, yeah, conquest, go, and I'll... It was a weird form of conquest, because in this case, it was the relay points uh, in order to gain information on little missions you can do in the area, and most notably the ATMs, which give you more money, and money is pretty much the currency of the game. And when I say that... It's interesting, almost relieving, to see a game which just has one currency. You want upgrades? Money. You want to buy stuff? Money. You want to switch gear? Money. You want to get your clones back quicker? Money. You know, all that stuff. Research? Money. All of it is just cold, hard cash. So getting all those ATMs was very valuable and something I went out of my way to do very quickly. Now... It took me a bit. I was pretty much done with the first district, uh, which I don't even remember the name of. It was just as I was entering the industrial district, which was the f second one I went to. And as, as I got there, like, oh, do the relays quest, I'm like, okay. And I started going to the relays, and I was like, oh my god, I'm playing a Ubisoft game. I'm serious. You go get the, you know, the, the viewpoints. That unlocks the little mini-missions which you can do, some of which are fairly... Uh, I, Pattern, I guess is the word I want to use. So you go and you get the thing to make it so the cameras tag you less. You go and get the thing to make reinforcements slower. You go and get the thing to get the intel. You know, you go and get the bank in order to give you all knowledge of where all of the ATMs are and to increase ATM finances. You know, all of that stuff makes sense. So I'm with all that. But that's pretty much the Ubisoft format, isn't it? Get the get the the eye point. You know, get eagle vision going on. Okay, here's where I need to go, and here's this quest, and there's right. Now, this is not an insult. I don't mean that as a negative. I kind of like that sort of gameplay as long as it's done well. And I'm not gonna lie, it did get a little repetitive by the time I hit the CBD or whatever district, the last district. I was like, all right, let me go get the relays. 
let me get the ATMs, because that by that point, the basic quests had stopped being interesting. But, I will give the game credits in the fact that the main quests, well, if you could call it that, were far more interesting. I, I shouldn't even use the term quest, it's kind of an inaccurate term. The main activities, wandering around, um, like as you get relay points, you get missions that are like, go rob this guy, or go upload into this company's facility, and it all basically boils down to the same concept. You're infiltrating an area, you have to get someone in or someone out of a specific spot, once you do so, you gain some money, and you gain some prototypes. Gear, basically. And that helps you to gear up. Because the way this game works is actually kind of funny in its own right. There's nothing really preventing you from walking straight to the end, going into the Draconis... Uh, I always have a weird trouble with this word. Dracogenetics Tower. And then going to the last boss and beating the game. It's the Breath of the Wild thing, actually. You can literally just walk right up to the end boss and go after him. Now, there's some practicality issues getting in the way of that, and you are encouraged to go and get more gear and get more experience and get more health and upgrade your troops and all this stuff so that you can survive the last boss, but nothing is artificially hindering you from it. And I've always enjoyed that style of gameplay. I don't see it that often. That's why I just immediately paralleled it to Breath of the Wild. Because... It puts it on you, the player. Now it's your decision. Do you want to go and level up, however that takes a form, or do you want to go and try and do a low-level run or a challenge run? Or do you want to see, well, you know, I've gotten this stuff. I'd like to test myself, see if I can manage it now with what I've got. If you don't, you can go back and get some more stuff and level more. And I keep putting that in quotes because it's not literally leveling, obviously. And there's, I, I found this out thanks to reading some forums. Apparently there's some randomness involved in which prototypes you get. It's not a static list. So that can, you know, change and affect your playstyle as well. The gentleman who asked me to work on this, Takoida, long-term viewer of mine, apparently hasn't finished a game of this, which I actually find very interesting in its own right, because it feels in many ways like a roguelike. Like, if you were to take the Ubisoft standard, as I already mentioned, and the concepts of a roguelike, it feels like a combination of those two ideas. Now, granted, this is a much longer game than most roguelikes, but the gear you get, the prototypes you get, and how successful you are in most of the early missions really changes your playstyle, I noticed. Now, I went out of my way to try and do as many different playstyles as I could. I kind of had to because, well, most of my ruminations usually talk about the six elements of story. There's not a lot of that in this game. There's almost none of it, in fact. There's a lot of setting. And that's about it. <laughs> no, I'm serious. What's the plot? Uh, we're an up up-and-coming company who want to conquer this res tech and take over Dracogenetics. Draco, Dracogenetics. God, I don't know why I have such a hard time with that word. So, that's the plot. Very basic. Characters? I mean, there are named characters. There's, you know, Knight and Bishop and all the members of the Uzi Corporation. All that fun stuff. But they're all in the background, and they all know each other, of course, and they interact with each other, but all of that is in the hidden lore of the datapad stuff. So there's there's some characterization. There's no character arcs whatsoever. There's not really any themes here. Not really, other than, of course, the cyberpunk theme of evil corporations' world sucks. No, all of the actual story of this game sits on the setting. And most of that isn't even what I would normally call setting lore. 
This game has a lot of what I like to think of as flavor lore, sprinkled here and there so that it adds to the experience. You know, seeing the billboards or the adverts or the messages or the news reports or the emails going back and forth between people. My favorite one by far was I got a random email from some trooper in the industrial district, uh, one of the members of the Uzi Corporation, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong. And he, she, doesn't actually say, is writing home saying, it's okay, you know, nobody really attacks here, I love you, mama, it's going to be all right, just, just a nice little letter home talking about how much better things are in this district and how things are going to be fantastic. Now, on my way out, on that mission where I got that letter, I got caught, and I had to kill my way out. And I couldn't help but think, oh my god, I hope I'm not killing the guy who sent that letter. And I just like those little moments. That's what I mean by flavor lore. It just adds a little flavor to the experience. Um, it's similar, but not quite the same as what a lot of 4X games do by adding, you know, sprinkling flavor lore into that so that you can effectively write your own story. Similar, but not quite the same perspective. Anyways. Now... That's kind of it. That's kind of all I got to talk about story. The setting was good. I do like the setting. Um, it's a little horrible and, and kind of cynical how prolific the sex cells concept is everywhere. I remember one particular area in the first district which had, I think, five separate scantily clad women, uh, some of which were robotic, trying to sell whatever it is they were selling. You know, it's okay. That's messed up. <laughs> and of course the very concept of ResTech itself is interesting especially since based on my understanding it's not actually immortality <laughs> it's basically cloning and that's not immortal because you still die like if you make a perfect clone of yourself and then you die you die the perfect clone who is a separate entity may have the same starting point as you but they're a separate entity. So, so in other words, to put it from the perspective mindset, you're, you know, this is your perspective of your life, and then it just cuts off because you have died. Your perspective does not continue forward in the clone. The clone's perspective continues forward. Now, the game doesn't really go into that all that much, but I found that fascinating because the way that uh, Draco, Draco Genetics, God, has seized power, and Brendler has seized power, is, or Dengler? God, I don't remember his name. It's the guy from the webcomic. Anyways, the way he seized power was he reached out to the politicians of the world, said, hey, we'll give you immortality if you give us whatever we want. And everyone took him up on the deal. Of course they would. That's probably the only story point I found interesting. It's one of the more fascinating concepts of a company seizing power in a fictional work because they had access to a resource that was effectively invaluable. And they were offering it in exchange for little things like the judges voting our way, or the lawmakers making laws that go in our direction, you know, little things like that, and effectively conquering the world as a consequence. So then we have our mysterious benefactor, and then we have the ending, and I suppose that's the last story bit I really have to talk about, because <laughs> the ending feels a lot like a to-be-continued to me. So this whole time we're going in there as the greedy corporate bastards that we are, you know, very syndicate. And we want the piece of that. We want ResTech for ourselves so we can do the same thing, so we can have this. In fact, one of the things I like about this game, you know, I said I didn't have anything to say about the story, 
One of the things I like about this game is there is an explanation for why we are able to pull this off. I always like it when a game explains why the player character is able to accomplish the things they do. They don't always have to, but I've always enjoyed that when they bother to say, here, here's why you're the player character and not any other old Jim Bob in the story. And in our case, it's because our mysterious benefactor has managed to give us a weaker bootleg version of ResTech. Which means, while well, we every time one of our agents dies, I mean, they die. But we can get that clone up and running and get the, the mind pattern going and basically keep going with our same troops, right? And that gives us an overwhelming advantage because, I mean, of course it does. In addition to the obvious things, that kind of translates directly into gameplay. And that brings me, let's segue this finally into gameplay. As I think I mentioned earlier, one of the things I tried to do as I was going through this is to try and employ as many different strategies as I could. Early on, I did what is pretty much my normal when it's available. Stealth. Ghost playthrough. You know, it's, I love doing ghost playthroughs in games. You know, Deus Ex or Dishonored, a thief, you know. I love doing that kind of playstyle. It's very enjoyable to me. So I started doing that initially. And what that boiled down to was I would pile up my entire team outside of the entrance to a place. Excuse me. Then I would send in my hacker by himself, who would do the mission, never getting caught, and then get out, and then that would be the mission. And that was pretty much the first, like, half of the game. The first two districts I went through, industrial and uh, the, the, the starter one, that was entirely my modus operandi. Hacker in solo. Very rarely I had to bring in the soldier to hotwire something. That was about it. And I gave, I gave the hacker all the best augments and gear specifically to do that. So he had the thing, so he could reach the high vents. He had the poison immunity, um, and, uh, the, the extra sprint, which was invaluable. All that stuff, right? So it was fun, and I was enjoying it. And I was like, and I, I actually had to stop myself. I'm like, okay, this is fun and I enjoy it, but I need to see if I can do other things. So the next mission, without gearing up, I walked in and just killed everyone. It worked barely, and I had to be very careful about my tactics. So then I went back, geared everyone up. I'd been running research almost almost nonstop the entire game, as soon as I figured out how the money thing worked. So I'm like, okay, gear up, walk in, braka, 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 and basically A-moved my way through the mission, and was able to do that barely. Most of my, Several of my guys actually died on that particular mission, but, you know, you can bring them back up, or they could just reclone or whatever. Then I started getting clever about it, like, okay, I'm going to start sending, you know, like, I hacked a turret at one point, which was phenomenal, uh, or bribing, or, or excuse me, not bribing, uh, persuadatron, that's not what it's called, uh, hijacking, hijacking one of the civilians and sending them in, and as they're getting escorted out, slipping my own guys in, and, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. Probably my favorite tactic, though, I just got to share this one incident. Uh, it was in the, uh, the grid district. And there's this one thing where I have to go and get the prototype and get out. Pretty typical infiltration, anti-corporate mission, right? Like most of the main, you know, gear up missions. So I get my guy. This I was. It was just the hacker, but that's because I had everyone else doing other jobs here. I got pretty good at multitasking uh, in this game. So I have the hacker going through, and I tab, tab over to the soldier, and he's here. I tab over to the infiltrator, and he's still distracting these guys. And I tab back to the hacker. It's like, all right. And I basically did a misclick. This is completely unintentional. It's like, whoops, walked right into a guy's vision. It's like, ah, God, no. And so I look at the situation. I pause for like half a second. I'm like, okay, 
have him sprint for the door, because he was already inside of it, run in, grab the prototype, run out, sprint as far as he could make it for one of the little auto doors, you know, the green doors that basically teleport you from point A to point B. Like, come on, come on, go, go. Uh, and he died. And I just waited patiently and then sent him right back in because all of this is real time. So, and this this became a strategy I would use later. I'd send in the hacker, turn off all the cameras, die deliberately, respawn, walk in without detect any detections because I've turned off all the cameras and then just grab the thing and walk right back out, which is what I did in this case. Because you can just pick the prototype up right off the ground. Gameplay's fun, is what I'm trying to say. Like I said, the only time I actually got bored was the get the relays, get the ATMs, you know, get the the bank, uh, get the uh, the reduced camera thing, get the reduced reinforcement thing. The bog-standard quests that were in each grid or, excuse me, each uh, district, did get a little old, and I'm not going to lie about that. But the level design of the main missions, the gear-up missions, those got more interesting as I went on, and it became clear that they were building them with more and more options for how to get through them. Obviously, you can still just have your hacker go through and hack his way through, as I proved, since I was doing that even as of the final district. But I liked the fact that you had those options built in, that it was available to be like, well, you know, I'd really like to try and zipline my way over here and then get him over here and put an explosive right there because I geared myself up with explosives, blow this door, which is going to cause tons of attention so this guy can go over here. And you can do that. And that's really the fun of the game and is another way in which the roguelite thing kind of comes into it because those options depend a lot on what your gear available is, which uh, according to what I'm told, I didn't see this myself, obviously, I only did the one playthrough, but according to what I'm told, is randomized. So, cool. Um, I do like the class setup. I do like the fact that your uh, each guy has their own different kit. Obviously, this is very different from Syndicate, where you could just set up any guy as whatever, but I felt that this added to the flavor of the game and helped specialize each. So again, going back to that multiple ways through a situation thing, it also encouraged me, at least I felt it did, to not try and focus on one build, you know. I don't know about you guys, but when I used to play Syndicate or Syndicate Wars, it was just, all right, get straight for the the, the cyber optics and the heavy armored arms or whatever the hell it was called and the big miniguns and just mow my way through the enemy. And that was like the strat I used. Uh, maybe that's because I was a lot younger back then, but I have distinct memories of that. Here it was like, okay, well, I could do that, but, you know, I kind of feel like doing something else. I, you know, my my support guy hasn't done anything in forever. Why don't I bring him here and set him up here so the, the infiltrator can get up on this roof and start sniping down here, and get, and I can send up the soldier. And funnily enough, the thing I did most with my soldier was the uh, stealth kill. It was something that's in the tutorial, but it's a strategy that was really effective for almost the entire game. Uh, at least for me, because I got lucky enough to go ahead and get a uh, silencer for, uh, I think it was the Lincoln or something like that. It was a really decent pistol. And I was like, oh, sweet! So, silencer, Lincoln, and, and it would work really well. Now, that's not to say this game is flawless. I did actually encounter a bug that I had to reload the game on. I mentioned those green doors. Well, you know those little robot dog things? Maybe you don't. Maybe you've never played this game. But they go, they grab onto you, and it's like, Ugh! and they basically stun you as you're trying to throw them off, and then you throw them off and stomp on them. And that can usually be deadly. 
So I had a guy running into a green door to try and effect an escape. I had a whole route planned out. And he gets in the door, and then the dog grabs him. And I see his silhouette, you know, flinging the dog. It's, it's not literally a dog. It's a little robot. But, you know, flinging the robot off of him and stomping. And it's like, okay. But now he's inside the green door thing, and the door's closed. And he's still controllable, which he shouldn't be. So I couldn't get out, basically. I'm, I'm not going to describe the whole circumstances. If you played this game, you understand what this means, because he couldn't get out. I couldn't move him. And he was trespassing, which means I couldn't save... And I couldn't teleport him out with the relay, you know, teleport point thing, the waypoint thing. So I had to reload the game. I had to do that mission all over from the beginning, relying on my last autosave. Although the game is really good about its autosave, so that wasn't too bad, but it was still kind of... I spent a while trying to make, you know, figure out another way to get that to happen. It just, nope, it wasn't happening. He was lost. <laughs> so, there's a lot of features of this game I'm just going to cover in brief. You know, it's got waypoints. You know, it's got like a currency per second thing. I already mentioned that. Uh, I like the way it does prototypes. Now, I don't know about you guys. I never actually used prototypes. You can. You can just buy a prototype and use it. I researched every single prototype because I wanted to have access to options. And I tend to be the investment kind of a guy anyways, rather than the burn it now kind of a guy. But that's an option. Um, I mentioned the conquest feeling. Uh, I mentioned the, the suicide tactics that you can use. I mentioned the hacker. I'm, I'm out of notes. I'm just going to go off the top of my head now, based on what I was doing. Um, one of the other things I do enjoy about the game is that it kind of throws you into it. And at first, I felt this was going to be one of those games that I really wasn't going to have fun with. And I was about to start streaming it, actually. Because I found my experience, and I happen to be blessed in this case, if I stream a game, the viewers can help me figure out what the hell I'm supposed to do, especially if they've played it before. And so at first I was in that boat of, God, I have no idea what to do, and I ran out of money immediately, and and the tutorials, such as they were, were very rigid. Uh, let me tell you a story here. So one of the tutorials is how to uh, mind jack, hijack someone, and then send them in to turn them into a clone. I'm like, okay, sure. But the tutorial requires you to do it step by step. Now, I now thanks to how it worked, I figured out how to do it, sent in a clone, and was good. But that didn't complete the tutorial, so it's still flashing at me, hey, hey, spend $50 to get more intel on this person. And I'm like, I can't, I'm broke. And I didn't know how to fix the broke problem, because I didn't know ATMs existed. Not really. Like, it mentioned it, I'm like, okay, but I hadn't, they weren't on the minimap. I don't know how to find these, rather than just, other than just moving the mouse around. Well... Earlier, because I didn't know about getting all the relay points, I, I hadn't put two and two on the Ubisoft thing, and I'm like, okay, why don't I go up to this bank, and I'm going to do this bank infiltration mission, which I, I screwed up miserably because I was an idiot. Second time I did it, uh, I, I managed to, to get the hacker in by himself, get the bank, and I'm like, yes, awesome, I now have you know, $9,000 or whatever it was in order to do this. And I went and did the frickin' tutorial and just made it stop flashing. And I was like, yes, okay. Well, now I have another clone. Oh, that, that'll be helpful in the future. Let me pull up the map. What are these dollar signs on the map? I didn't realize it at the time, but when you do the, the map mission, that tracks every single ATM in that district. So my next mission became obvious. Run around, get all the ATMs. Once I had all those, I was like, okay, I can finally start doing some research now that I have some money. Oh, but I don't have that many prototypes. Well, apparently this one mission gave me some prototypes. And you could see how it all just kind of flowed at that point, right? Even though 
I, I still should technically ding the game for its aggressively linear t tutorials and the fact that it was so irritating, it encouraged me to get rid of it. Once I started just playing the game, the nature of the gameplay just kind of opened itself up to me. And early on, like I said, it was just hacker infiltrate, you know, hack the, 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 the cameras, hack the things, and that was my entire method. It wasn't until I pretty much accidentally uh, bribed a guy, and he was like, all right, you have his credentials now, and I'm like, okay that I started to realize how many more options I had to do the missions. And let me say, if you're going to play this game, and by the way, I do recommend picking up this game and giving it a shot, try new things. That really is the fun of it. You know, it, just beating the game would probably be fairly easy, especially with the right kit. You know, get a stealth set up. Uh, you know, like I had my hacker set up. You know, he was my, my last-ditch option. At the end of the game, I could have probably soloed the whole game with a properly geared hacker. You know, you could do that. Try new things. Try things out. Enjoy the variety of it. That's that's the fun of it. I also encourage you to find a map and look up where all of the uh, the data caches are because that's where the story is. All that story I talked about earlier is pretty much universally in those data caches. There's not much elsewhere. What else? Um, one of the things I found interesting just from a design perspective. I mentioned the good level design, but one of the interesting things is the game felt like it was really discouraging me from combat. More often than not, even if I was ahead of the curve, you know, even when I found my, my bearings and knew what the hell I was doing, I felt like I was being, I hesitate to say this, but I felt like I was being punished when I actually got into combat. Especially since under the wrong circumstances, you could basically be locked into eternal conflict. You know, don't ever fight right next to a spawn point, for example. And of course, every time they call in new reinforcements, new spawns show up, etc., etc. If you kill quickly enough, you can get ahead of the curve, but even with some really nice guns, that just wasn't happening. And you need to have some variety of your weapons because it's kind of your classic, you know, this is good against shields, this is good against armor, and this is good against health kind of a thing. And by only, like, the midpoint of the game, enemies started having all three, just like I did. So, okay, right? Now, I'm not saying that's really a negative, but I really got the strong impression that unlike Syndicate, in which, you know, the general strategy was to, to, to turn yourselves into death machines, this was trying to encourage you not to do that, and it felt like the developers were pushing you away from combat by making the enemy stronger than they should be, uh, not in terms of damage, they don't hit that hard, but they're definitely meat gates, you know, way too much health or shields or armor, and there's there's a lot of them, and it's really easy for a lot of them to swarm you if you're not prepared and you don't know what you're doing tactics, and if you're caught out in the open, that's it, you're, it's over. More than once I found myself get caught, and the situ I looked at the situation for a second, even hit the pause thing on, on the D key, and I'm like, okay, thought about it for about... 15 seconds, and I'm like, yeah, no, this is dead, and just turned it off and sat there and let them kill me because it was quicker than any other option I had available to me, and start over and try to infiltrate again. So I think that was something they did on purpose. I wasn't able to verify that, unfortunately. Not a lot of behind-the-scenes information on this one. I know that they, you know, some of the old bullfrog people are here, and I know that some of the old developers are here. You know, Kickstarter, blah, blah, blah. <sighs> Fun game. I do hope they do a sequel someday. If they do a sequel... Let me just give my wish list here, if you'll forgive me. I hope they do more. Like, this, but more, is exactly what I want out of a future game. You know, more variety to the missions. Because ultimately, even though there's a lot of ways to do those missions, those gear-up missions, they all boil down to, 
get to point A and then get out, or get to point A and then get someone else out with you. Like almost every single mission, I, I think without, with very, very few exceptions, was that kind of a format. Give me some more variety. Give me more things to do. Give me more types of content. You know, that's more meat. I would love to have more types of missions or more variety of, of, of that. It, you don't really even have to change the play style. Maybe make combat a little more rewarding. Uh, sometime into the game, I actually decided to start looking it up. Apparently, a setup where you have the soldier with the flamethrower and, like, max shields and health is how you just kill your way through the game. Shrug. I, I don't know. I never actually uh, got the flamethrower, so I have no idea about that. But, yeah. I guess I don't have anything else to say. I'm sorry. It's a very fun game. I really enjoyed my playthrough throw of it. And I guess I will be seeing you guys next time.